The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined as always by Raj Geary and Chris Calicut. And today, special guest, Tony Schiavone. How's it going, Tony? Thanks for joining us on the show. Glenn, Raj, Chris, it's great being uh, being with all of you guys. It's great being here on the, on your show, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm I'm having a lot of fun in my life right now, and I hopefully we're going to have another another uh, thirty or plus minutes of of fun here today as well. Absolutely. And how is it being back in uh, back in the wrestling world? You were out of it for so long. Uh, you you did have a, a, sh- a really short stint with TNA, but uh, but yeah, it's been kind of off the radar. Uh, and then now you're back. Yeah, Raj, it makes me feel old, first of all, uh, that people say, oh, my goodness, you were such a big part of my childhood. And I'm thinking, that doesn't seem to be that long ago, but then again, it really was. When you think about WCW climbing or ending in 2001, uh, but it, it's, it's been wonderful. It, it's, been, it's been really a great ride. Uh, everybody is so nice to me, and I'm finding new avenues uh, to meet people, uh, make a little bit of money. Uh, stay away from the house a little bit longer, <laughs> which is always good at my age. So uh, I'm I'm really having a great time, and I'm reconnecting with some old friends too, which is a big part of this. Uh, you know, I was uh, I, that's one of the things I really missed about wrestling. I, I missed talking to some of my friends, and now I've seen some. I saw this past weekend we were in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I saw the Raging Bull Manny Fernandez for the first time since probably 1984. Wow! Wow! And so that was great being able to see him and talk to him. And, uh, and I even, I've, I've even established now a little bit of uh, communique back and forth with the iron Sheik, <laughs> who I hadn't talked to in a long time. And as, as we all know, is one of the legends, uh, not only in wrestling, but in one of the legends, uh, on the internet right now as well. So I've been able to, re- yeah, I've been able to reconnect now. So it's been, it's been great. Yeah. So of course everyone remembers Tony as the WCW Monday Nitro lead announcer, and he's got a one-man show coming up in Dallas on July 9th prior to Great Balls of Fire that's happening in the same city. Now, this show is guaranteed to be over by 5 p.m., which gives you plenty of time to get to the American Airlines Center for that pay-per-view, which is only about 10 to 15 minutes away from the theater, and there will be a meet-and-greet that starts at 1 p.m. with the show beginning at 3. You can purchase tickets at whwlive.com, and tickets are standing room only, but there are limited general admission seats, so make sure to get there early. So, Tony, what was the idea behind putting together this uh, this one man show? Well, this has to, I have to give credit really to to Con, uh, Glenn to Conrad Thompson and to give credit to Court Bauer of MLW uh, Radio because they feel that uh, what we do on our podcast is entertaining enough enough to take it and, and go live with it. Uh, and so we're going to uh, during this talk about. Uh, my day in the WWF or my year in the WWF because Bruce Pritchard is going to join us uh, of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Uh, and the thought was that we could all three go live and, and make it work. You know, Jr has a live show. Uh, I'm a little bit different than Jim Ross in that Jim is kind of, you know, a little bit more serious up and up 
and I'm a little saltier. I like to think. I, I like to think. That, I like to think that I'm a little bit. Uh, that that's just the way I really am. I'm I'm a little bit different, and I and I want to be different than Jr's show. Which and I've been on one of Jr's shows, which is a wonderful show to be on because it goes back and talks about wrestling and talks to the fans. So the thought was maybe I'll be able to go out and entertain some people. People have obviously been entertained from the things that we say, but listen, uh, again, Conrad and Court are the brains behind this. Conrad does a lot of work preparing for our podcast, and he'll be with me, and it should be a lot of fun. Now, each other quite well. Now, now that you're going to be going uh, on before the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. Now, uh, hmm. a lot of people given this pay-per-view name a lot of flack were there any pay-per-views in wcw that you had a hard time saying a hard, hard time saying or just what you just felt stupid saying it i always thought i always thought slamboree sounded kind of juvenile <laughs> it's kind of like jubilee right or slamboree yeah. had a feminine sound to it so I, I i didn't really and you know near the end you know we had greed and they were sounding Sin. cool and sin and uh you know and and starcade was always our number one thing and uh but yeah slamboree was kind of weird uh I, I don't know what people are saying online about great balls of fire and i don't know if, if <laughs> i don't know if, if the jerry lee lewis people have sued vince on that or not but uh they, they did it too yeah they threatened, they threatened to and, they, and now they're using the song in the uh, pay-per-view promo so i think that's how they settled was, uh, oh there you I, go and my argument was they own Great American Bash. That would have been a much better name, you know. Yeah, than, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Great American Bash was a very good, solid summertime name. <laughs> exactly. It really was. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, back when, oh, sorry, back when it was all real. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. But, Tony, you mentioned uh, working with Bruce and Conrad on this one-man show. Um, and have you been keeping up? much with the uh, Vince Russo controversies of late, you know, between he and Cornette, but also they, there's been a little bit of an invite back and forth between Vince's show and Bruce's show. Well, I, I've, I've uh, a little bit, I've, I've talked a little bit or heard a little bit about it. I, I uh, you know, Vince and I were, were very good friends uh, back in that time when WCW was going down. Uh, Vince and I were, uh, were pretty close because he was always a supporter of mine. Uh, I didn't always agree with the stuff that he did, but we, we were, uh, we were able to talk about it. So I don't know what's going on with them right now. Uh, I guess this goes back to the days where, uh, where Bruce was working with Vince and they worked at TNA back then. Uh, mm -hmm. but I know they've invited him to be on the, a live show with them. Uh, and I don't think he, uh, I don't think he accepted that. Did he? Did it? No, I think the show was this past week. Yeah. The one in St. Louis event. this past week. Yep. They invited him. So, you know, look, uh, Chris, it's probably a work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, we all possibly think that, but you have yeah. to ask, right? Right. Yeah. I, uh, look, uh, the, the older you get, the, the less grudges you hold. And uh, it might be real. They might really not to care for each other at all. But uh, I know, I do know that Conrad told me, he said, you know, we invited him to come to our show. We'll pay for his trans. We'll give him some money to show up. And, and he's told us that he didn't have time to do it. Uh, so I don't know if Conrad was really mad about that or not, but, uh, you know, maybe it's something good. It'll play out and down the road, they'll have a, they'll have a show. I would love to have Vince come on one of our live shows. If in fact 
the one that we're going to do on July 9th in Dallas is going to be the beginning of something good. This is kind of a, guys, it's kind of a test water for me. Uh, uh, if it works, then we'll do it down the road a little bit more. If it doesn't work, then we'll say, you know, we'll just keep doing it a podcast only. <laughs> uh, we're getting a lot of questions in the comment section. Uh, a couple of people uh, are asking, in your opinion, what killed WCW? It's well, it's a combination. Of, yeah, it was a combination of who's this from? Do I say the person's name? Uh, Alonzo Smith, Peter okay. P. Cusser. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Ooh. laughs> uh, a lot of things killed WCW. I'm I'm honored that people feel that there's a, a cross section of people out there that feel that that my comments about Mick Foley killed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow! Thank you very much. I didn't know I had that much power. Uh, that that certainly was a obviously was a part of it. Uh, but there were a lot of other things that killed it. I really think that what ended up killing WCW more than anything else was the fact that it was owned by Turner Broadcasting, and Turner really didn't give a didn't give a a blip about wrestling compared to Vince McMahon. When you look at the buck stop with Vince, it was his company; it still is, and he called the shots. And it was every effort that he had in his company went into professional wrestling. That was not the case with Turner Broadcasting. Uh, and, and I really feel that, that eventually that's what killed it. Them owning the company. Uh, they wanted it to die and, and it did. Now I go back and I, and I've watched our last pay-per-view, which I uh, was greed and I look at it and yes, yeah, some of the things were not that bad, but there were a lot of things that were salvageable in that company at that time. They just didn't want it. Uh, and if they would have, you know, ridden it out a little bit, maybe further, it, it probably would have, uh, prospered. But yeah. there are a lot of things that killed it. Uh, people say, you know, it was Vince Russo's booking. I also think at a time back then that we were a little bit too much like the WWE. Uh, and we were seen as a maybe a bastardized version of it. Uh, couldn't do the WWE as well as they did. And, uh, you know, back when we were hot and when the, the era that m most of the people want to talk to me about, we were different than the WWE back then. As we went through time, we got more and more like them, um, and and that probably helped our demise. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're watching, if you're watching Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad, you don't want Game of Thrones to turn into Breaking Bad. No, you, you don't. don't. Stay exactly. separate, even though they're you know similar right. violent drama genres. But yeah, right. yeah, I totally, yeah. I, I felt that too. But it's it's kind of wild now that the ratings for Raw are now worse than Nitro at the end. I don't, I don't know if you knew heard of that no i hadn't heard of that but think about all the things that are on television right now compared to things that were on television in 2001 and all the things you can do are things you can watch you were you were you were talking about game of thrones and you were talking about breaking bad two of my favorite programs better call Saul's another one uh and we dvr all these programs and watch them on our own time uh and there's just so much on tv now that there used to not be, uh, and so many different channels and so many good channels, actually a lot of bad channels. So the, <laughs> so the, uh, so the television, uh, watching television is an entirely different thing than it was, let's say in 2001 in 2000. Very good. Um, let's go back to just your, your wrestling announcing days. Uh, we'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about your current sports stuff, um, here shortly, but, Sure. Who has been your favorite right-hand man, whether it be a, a color commentator, uh, something like that? Who was your favorite guy to work with at the announce desk? Well, that, that is a tough question because uh, 
people will say, and I've seen it online too. People say, well, Shivani liked everybody. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, and I really did. I, right. you know, he and I didn't finish up on good terms, which was my fault, but I really love working with Heenan because he mm -hmm. made me laugh. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really, when I go back and take a look at some of the stuff that I did, I really think that my best work was back in when Jr. first joined us in 1987 and we did some uh, pay-per-views together. We did the first clash of the champions together. I think that was my best work overall. Wow. Uh, at the end, I really enjoyed working with Scott Hudson because I don't know if you listened to some of the stuff that Scott and I did, but it was pretty apparent that we had a lot of fun together. And when Scott Hudson and uh, Mark Madden and I did a did a did a did a show, did a couple of shows together, we always had a great time of doing the shows together. I enjoyed working with everybody. Uh, I can tell you right now, though, the my most memorable time of working in pro wrestling with somebody being at my side was working with uh, with Lord Alfred Hayes. He was a tremendous person. Anybody who knew Alfred knew that he was a wonderful man. Uh, he and I got to travel. We went to London and did a show in London for Vince. Uh, and we, I got to travel overseas for the first time ever with him. So my fondest memories of, of a broadcast partner are with Lord Alfred Hayes. I had fun with everybody, uh, but I think my best work was with the JR. Yeah, very nice. Now, uh, the theme of your one-man show in Dallas uh, is your year in WWE. You were there uh, from 89 to 1990. And right. a lot of people will say uh, 1990 is kind of when the decline started to happen, kind of the end of the 80s boom. I mean, it, was, right. it wasn't over the 80s. But but the creatively, uh, WWF changed. Uh, right. And really, you know, uh, but what was that year like? Just, you know with how hot wrestling was, you know, you had Saturday night's main event, all this stuff going on. Uh, what was that era like to eat, you know, from the time you were there? Well, it was pretty exciting for me, Raj, because I came from Jim Crockett promotions, which was a very small run company, a very mom and pops company. I, we did our interviews in the, the back of this makeshift office that they had, it was office, but they had a garage area in the back and that's where we did our interviews. And now all of a sudden here I'm in transporting to Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, not only am I doing announcing, but I'm there, uh, I'm producing their, uh, Coliseum home videos, the VHS videos back then. And this is a big setup. It's a gigantic, uh, studio with all types of bells and whistles and everything at our disposal. Uh, and I really thought I had, and I guess in many ways I had, I really thought, man, I had really reached the big time. I, it, it was a big deal for me to move into that. Uh, and then I got a chance to see Hulkamania because that was back, uh, you know, that was back when Hulk Hogan was wrestling, uh, the macho man, Randy Savage and had WrestleMania five and he had his match. Um, the last event I did for the WWF back then was, uh, WrestleMania six Hogan and, uh, warrior. Uh, at Sky Dome, or now Rogers Center. So I, I I was a part of all that, and and I I was really it was really an exciting time for me to be to see what had happened back then. The shows looked better that the WWF was doing back then better than anybody else, and that's why all these regional promoters kind of went out of business because television directors and and program directors uh, and station managers will look at a product and say this product looks good. We want this to be on our station. 
compared to what the local promoters were doing. Yeah, and I know uh, when, when I spoke to you last uh, a few months ago, uh, you talked about how uh, difficult it was for you to go back to WCW and, and, yeah. and how hard it was to accept it. <laughs> and yeah. it was your decision to, to go. Yeah. And as soon as you left, you, you wanted to go back. Um, Immediately, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, what happened there? Well, I had gone back, and when I, I came back to, uh, first of all, I I can remember work. I can remember my interview with Jim Hurd when he took over when he was taking over from the Crockett family, and I remember my interview with him, and I remember thinking, you know what, I don't want to work for this ass, uh, <laughs> and I don't think he knows what he's talking about, uh, and well, I was right. Uh, for one thing. And then I decided to go on and I was so happy that I'd left that, but I knew that I had a better opportunity to make a better living. I thought for my family and, and live back in the South, uh, in Atlanta. So I made that decision based basically only, only on that, not on my career. Uh, Lois and I often talk about it. It had just been, uh, the two of us, I probably would have stayed there. Uh, but I had five kids, five very young kids. So we moved back, uh, and I was, uh, I was immediately, up. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, what have I done with my career? Now I've moved back to mom and pop's wrestling once again. And the Crockett's not even around anymore with the exception of, uh, Jim, uh David Crockett being the obvious, but I'm not even answering to them. I'm answering to Jim Hurd and Jim Barnett. And I'm with a company that I knew didn't give a damn about wrestling. And I was right that they just wrote it out as long as they could. Then they threw it to the curb and I've made the biggest mistake of my life. So I called Vince back immediately, never talked to him. I talked, uh, to his secretary and, uh, she finally called me back, uh, and said, Vince said that you have moved your family now twice, uh, you know, up and back from Atlanta, or actually we lived in Charlotte from Charlotte to Stanford, Stanford to Atlanta within the, the span of two years. Don't move your family again. Stay right where you are. Maybe something will come up down the road where you can come back later on. So I toughed it out, but it was a bad decision at that time because now I was back in small time wrestling. I thought, and, uh, that small time wrestling did hit the big time there for yep. a while. Um, yeah. you're getting a lot of WCW questions. Um, Someone's asking, uh, Brant is asking, what do you recall about your memories about Bash at the Beach 2000? Uh, is that the one where Hulk Hogan left? Like then did the thing with Vince yeah, Russo? That, if, if that's the one where Russo came out and called Hogan a piece of shit or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what I remember about that is uh, I remember that when he walked out, we didn't know what was going to go on. We thought Hogan was going to wrestle. We as the announced crew, and we were not privy to anything that was going on backstage at that time. And then Vince went out and did what he said, what he said, and they had their match. I remember after it talking to Jimmy Hart and I remember Jimmy Hart and I both thinking that this was all a big work, that this was, uh, was going to be a big angle that they were going to, uh, play out down the road. Uh, and I remember Russo calling me at home, uh, during the following week. And he said, I, he said, I need to talk to you. He said, you think this all was a work? You think what I said about Hulk Hogan calling him a, him a piece of shit is a work. And I said, absolutely. I do. I I'm sorry. I said, because 
what happened back then was they were trying to work the boys back then. Right. And I was immune to all this stuff. That's why I just said with, with Bruce and, and Vince and, and, uh, and Conrad, I think it's a work. I'm just, I'm just immune to all this stuff. I just think it's all a work. And, uh, so, uh, and I, and I guess didn't Hogan and, and Russo, uh, end up working for TNA with, uh, as well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. They were there for, for a while. It's right. Okay. <laughs> and someone said, no, they're actually getting lawyers. I said, you can get a lawyer. It's still a freaking work. <laughs> God. So, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't buy any of that stuff. So, so that's what I remember most about Basha beach, uh, a 2000 back then that, that I've, that, that everybody was going, Oh man, this is real life shit. And I'm thinking, not, no, no, come on. Guys. It's not. It's uh, Tony, your, your one man show and your podcast mostly deals, you know, with wrestling past, but, right. uh, do, Mr. Zidane two, four, seven on uh, YouTube asked, you know, what do you think of today's current product? Do you keep up with it very much? And, and what are your current thoughts? Uh, well, let me say this. I, I really don't. I, and, and that's, I, I, I had decided to walk away from the business uh, back uh, in 2001 to try to reinvent myself. Uh, and so I, I don't really watch it, but I can tell you this. I did watch because I started doing my podcast at the end of January. I watched the Royal rumble hmm. and I saw AJ styles and John Cena wrestle. Uh, and I, I really liked that match. I really did. Uh, and uh, there were a couple of other things that I liked that I d didn't like that well. Wrestling has changed so much, Chris, from from where I was, um, from when I loved it and enjoyed it. it. Because to me, it's like a bunch of high spots now and a lot of who can do the most sensational bumps and the, the old storyline of, of just building a story within the ring to me seemingly has gone away. And maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, but... <laughs> I started watching Lucha Underground last week, hmm. uh, only because I was I, I went recently to a, a Warriors of Wrestling show in uh, Staten Island, and I was there with uh, with uh, Kevin S. Uh, Nasta of Damage Three Sixty Five. They had me there, and I got to know some of the girls who wrestled there, Twisted Sisters, and uh, those girls kick your ass, man. <laughs> They're tremendous. And one of the girls, Thunder Rosa, wrestles at Lucha Underground. Uh, I'm not so sure what her character is there. So I started watching that, and I thought, man, this some of this stuff's pretty good. It's very cinematic. Mm -hmm. uh, it's shot uh, differently than anything I've ever seen before. So I'm starting to watch that again, and uh, I'm really starting to watch it once again, but I, I can't really comment on, on many things, with the exception of that AJ Styles match against John Cena when Cena won the world title, uh, it was really apparent to me that Arn Anderson uh, was the uh, agent for that match. That, that, that match just had Arn Anderson written all over it. And I sent him a text that night. I sent him, I'm watching the Royal Rumble, and I said, and I just saw the Cena-Styles match. Were you the agent for that match? And he sent me one word text back. He went, check. And I knew that was him. Nice. I mean, it just, nice. that, that, that's, that's old. That was, that had a lot of old school wrestling in it. It really did. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's my favorite match so far this year. Um, that, the Kenny Omega, uh, uh, 
uh, Okada match from January. Uh, a lot of WCW questions we're getting, but um, people are, I guess, to kind of combine a lot of these WCW questions, because a lot of them are asking about the the, the bad booking. Were yeah. there um, angles you saw that you're like, this is going to hurt the company? Like, it's going to actually affect uh, business? Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I, I saw the one, any one that I would say it's going to affect business. Um, I mean, the, the most famous one is when the Yeti came out, uh, <laughs> wrapped in gauze and dry humped Hulk Hogan from behind. Uh, and then Eric was kind of pissed off at me because, uh, I didn't make it sound like it was threatening to Hogan. And I'm thinking <laughs> you got a guy wrapped in gauze who can't work a lick you know, uh, trying to bung Hulk Hogan. Uh, also when the giant fell off the, uh, the Kobo arena, right. you know, and yeah. then he, he came back in, he wasn't even wet and he, he fell into the Detroit river. Well, he's not even bloody. He's not even wet. He walks back in like there's nothing to it. Uh, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the angles, uh, well, that's a tough question. Uh, some of those angles really, really sucked. Some of the things that we try to do to put people over uh, weren't really good, like uh, the famous Shockmaster uh, thing mm. <laughs> that yeah. happened. We all remember that. We tried to make the best out of it. Uh, and then again, you know, I, I don't know if maybe some of the – I don't know if some of the angles, but maybe some of the matches that the pay-per-views would end up not giving the fans what they paid their money to see. Mm, not yeah. necessarily angles, but just finishes that I always mm -hmm. thought that if you're going to pay whatever the price point was back then to watch pay-per-view and the fans should leave happy and they should leave saying, gosh, we got our money's worth. They shouldn't leave saying, uh, well, you got to watch Monday nitro to continue, um, the, uh, the angle, like the time that it ran too long. The show ran too long and you had to watch Monday Nitro to see Goldberg and Diamond Alice Page, which ended up being a good match, but the damn thing should have been on pay-per-view. Right. So I don't know if it was really the angles that hurt us, but it was maybe more the business decisions that we made back then. Yeah. I, I remember the the Sting uh, Hulk Hogan build, which was one of the best things I thought WCW did. In, no question. In 1997. Yeah. Build is striking 1997. I think that's the highest buy rate WCW's ever done. Sure. And, and the, I mean, the build up for that was one of the best wrestling builds I've seen for a pay per view. Sure. You know, no question. Long thing. Uh, but then Hulk Hogan kind of pinned Sting. Didn't seem like a fast count. They treated it like a fast count. Just kind of killed Sting's momentum, I thought. He, right. he seemed like he was on the verge of being the guy in the business up until that. And that, that one three count kind of killed it. Right. Uh, realistically, Sting should have gone over in that event. If, and that's what the fans wanted to see. Sting come through and beat the NWO and beat Hogan and and we didn't give them what, what they wanted and and I and I agree with that Raj I, I think that was one of those business decisions you know I, I know a lot of people say well Hulk Hogan you know was uh, could uh, have the final say on on his matches and blame Hogan for that but that's not necessarily the case it was certainly a, a decision that was made with Hogan and everybody in agreement with. Uh, I guess I, I wasn't involved in the, but, but we were saying the same thing. You yeah. have the build up, you have a pay-per-view. We're talking about Christmas time, uh, you know, and, uh, money is probably at a premium with people and they, they walk away from that pay-per-view saying, yeah, that, that was horrible. 
So, uh, and that's what hurt us. Yeah. Um, also, uh, with, with regards to today's product, is there, do you see any situation where someone can compete with WWE at the, at this point? No, I don't. Uh, only because he is, first of all, he's in the New York market. He's always been the New York market. Uh, number two, because he has so much, uh, money in the bank, uh, <laughs> and he has, he has, he has such a, uh, you have to, you have to go and see his production facility and see his offices. I don't know how many of you guys have been there to see what he has behind him to see uh, why he is so successful. Yeah, it, there's more than just what you see on television. There's yeah. more than just talent. There's more than just, there's a production value. There's people who know what they're doing. They're marketing people that know what they're doing. Uh, and he has a great crossover in the, in this country. When you think about it, even back then, when you, you know, we tried in vain back then years and years and years and years, it finally happened, uh, later on with Eric Bischoff, we tried years to, to be that one wrestling company that was seemingly mainstream. Hmm. We became kind of mainstream. Uh, he was always like that. And now he is, I, I can't see anybody, um, competing with him on that, on that level. I, I just, I, 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 listen, I, I didn't think we would, would, would be able to do it. I was surprised that be honest with you, the run that we had in the nineties. Um, yeah. but, uh, I don't think anybody can do it now. So Tony, let's talk about uh, a little bit of what you're doing today. Uh, you're the play-by-play guy for the Gwinnett Braves. Um, right. I, I am an Atlanta Braves fan, have been since day one, uh, being in the right. South. Yeah. So, you know, times are tough right now. Yeah. <laughs> but talk a little bit about what you're doing with the with those guys and also the University of Georgia. Okay. Uh, and thanks for asking me that, Chris. I uh, This is my ninth year of doing the Gwinnett Braves. Uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, AAA team left Richmond, Virginia after the tw- 2008 season and moved to Gwinnett County, which is just outside of Atlanta, 35 miles from downtown. Um, I, uh, I had done some work uh, with the Atlanta Braves uh, broadcast uh, during the, after I left WCW. I worked for WSB Radio, so I did some of the Braves pregame and postgame shows, and I became one of the official scorers at Turner Field because baseball is very strong in my background. So uh, Bruce Baldwin, who was the general manager of the Richmond Braves years ago, I knew he was moving to Gwinnett, and I called Bruce, and I said, Bruce, uh, I remember you from years gone by. I said, when Gwinnett Braves come to town, why don't they have me be the, come up and be the official scorer? He said, I've got a better idea. I want you to become my radio broadcaster. And I thought, okay, I think I can work that in. So I've been their radio broadcaster for now nine years, as uh, long as they've been in, in Gwinnett County. And, and I've seen Craig Kimbrell, Freddie Freeman, Julio Tehran all come through here. Uh, Chris Medlin, who played for us, uh, and a lot of the great players who have come through here and have been a part of the Braves organization I have now since 2009. Also, my work with WSB Radio got me involved with the University of Georgia. Uh, I no longer work for WSB radio, but I work for the university of Georgia. I work for IMG radio, uh, based out of Winston Salem, North Carolina. And, uh, they have the rights to university of Georgia football and basketball. And I do some interviews on the football broadcast. I don't do the play by play, uh, but I'm also the producer, uh, which means I'm always at all the broadcast, making sure the announcers pitch to the right commercials and say the right liners and everything. And, 
Uh, so I'm at all football games and all basketball games, home and away from the University of Georgia. And that's a great job. That is a wonderful job. Uh, and I, uh, I know it's, it was very famous on the internet recently, uh, that Tony Schiavone also works at Starbucks. Uh, and yeah, I gave it a shot and, uh, I don't work there much. Uh, but for an old fart like me being able to hang out with 23 year old uh, girls, uh, during the day and serving <laughs> coffee is great. Not a bad gig. Eh? Not a bad gig. And, and it's a wonderful place. I don't work that much. I also work and I'm working even more, more and more, uh, work with, uh, 92.9, the game, uh, sports radio, 92.9, the game out of Atlanta, which is the biggest sports, uh, talk radio station in Atlanta, uh, and work for those guys on a part-time basis. So I kind of got like four jobs going on and I'm trying to push a podcast in there and live yeah. events too. I was talking to Gary Jester. I don't know if anybody knows Gary Jester, longtime promoter at WCW. We talked yesterday on the phone. He said, man, he said, you, you're in, and you're getting up there in age. I'm still younger than Gary, by the way. He said, you're getting up there in age and you're doing more now than you've ever done. I said, yes, I am. Because back in uh, back, I had uh, kids at the house and now it's just me and Lois and the dogs. So I have more time to spend away from the house than I used to. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. All everything that I'm doing. Nice. And speaking of what you're up to, so uh, you're going to be at the icons of wrestling show in Philly on August 12th with RF video and the one man show coming up in Dallas prior to great balls of fire, which is happening that night on July 9th. So it'll start at 1 PM with a meet and greet and the show right. begins at three. You can, uh, and the show is guaranteed to be over five by 5 PM. So you're going to make it to great balls of fire. You got plenty of time to get to the American airlines center. So purchase tickets at whwlive.com. Ticket standing room only, but there are limited seats. They're general admissions. Right. So be sure to get there early. Yeah. Tony, thanks so much for joining us today. Anything else you want to plug? You got the podcast. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, on the uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tony Shivani twenty four. I do have a lot of followers, and I appreciate all the kind things they say. Tickets available whwlive.com, Glenn, uh, and you, Raj, and Chris. I really appreciate you having me on here. It means a lot. Uh, and it, Glenn, like you just said, it's guaranteed to be over by five o'clock. And the reason it's guaranteed to be over that probably around four thirty, there's going to be a fist fight with me, Conrad, and Bruce. And I'll have to, they'll have to throw us out of the bar. Uh, so it, it, it definitely will be over by that time. You know, this is a brand new chapter in my life. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. I really am. Uh, I, I, you know, being able to connect with you guys and being able to connect with all the, uh, my old wrestlers, all the fans, uh, from, uh, years gone by really means a lot. Uh, it, it's keeping me young. It's keeping me. It's also keeping me away from Lois, even more, <laughs> which is wonderful. Nice. Well, Tony, it's always great talking to you. We hope to have you on again soon. Anytime. Thanks for your time, guys. Good talking to all three of you. All right. Thanks, thanks. Cool. So now we're going to talk about SmackDown Live. Uh, Chris and I last night took in the entire show. Yeah, and I'm going to be taking off here too. I didn't get a chance to catch SmackDown yet. I hope to catch it tonight. But uh, you, you guys take care. I'll be back next week. And next week we have Sean Davari. So he will be our awesome. guest uh, on next Wednesday. Cool. I'll see you on Monday night, Raj. All right. Take care, guys. Fantastic. Thanks, Raj. Chris, post Money in the Bank last night, SmackDown Live. Um, eventful show in some ways. I mean, if you think that uh, the women's match, if you were unhappy with how that turned out on Sunday with James Ellsworth grabbing the briefcase and handing it to Carmella, last night it seemed like was 
you know, 200%, let's give more reverence uh, to the women in SmackDown. And they really made that the focus. Just your take on that. Do you think that was planned all along or do you think that they did not anticipate this backlash and SmackDown had to get creative on the fly? Glenn, it's, it's really tough to say for me because I thought the first 10 to 15 minutes with the way the women were interacting with Daniel Bryan, they were talking about the historic moment. They were talking about, you know, how this was supposed to be their thing. And then Ellsworth got it. You know, they went with the storyline that 90% of fans wanted them to. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the night, and I don't know if you saw Talking Smack, mm-hmm. um, they pretty much turned Carmella into this fantastic heel to a freaking baby face in about two hours. Yeah. Which, uh, because I thought Carmella's opening promo with James Ellsworth was fantastic. Absolutely. Her opening promo last night was the single best thing she's done, period. NXT, main roster. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowd, even uh, the what crap stopped. And they they booed, but they were paying attention. Oh, that they were was listening. Not, yeah. yeah, that was not uh, the typical, you know, get the hell out of here heat that a lot of people are subjected mm-hmm. to on a week-to-week basis. She had them, and um, I thought it was a fantastic way to start the show. I think this uh, might be a case where the WWE is, is capitalizing on their misstep and actually doing something really right uh, to correct this wrong. I thought that was a great focus, and it really showed. I mean, compared to Raw, where what? We saw the women uh, maybe two hours forty-five into the episode, mm-hmm. and it was and like, like seven minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah a quick segment. Like this just showed once again that SmackDown is uh, I think a little more for the hardcore fan, you know. And I know it gets some knocks about being a little geared towards to uh, the internet wrestling community, but last night I got to say I thought with the women they did a fantastic job of setting it up and even saying that they're going to redo the match next week. Yeah. I think that's so smart because Battleground, their next pay-per-view is so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were them, I would have put it off even further, but I guess they don't want to step on the toes of Great Balls of Fire on the 4th of July. So I guess it's next week or nothing to, to redo that match. Right. But to me, and this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but yeah. um, would you have rather seen Carmella defend her case or would you rather have had them strip it from her? Um, if you're going to redo the match, I don't think she can defend it because I think redoing the match is giving her another opportunity and given what they did at the start of the show with her last night and given what they're down talking smack, I absolutely think she's going to win it again. Probably. Uh, and I hope Ellsworth has some hand in it. Um, just to, <laughs> I, I really do. I really, I, I think that to really tick us off, but also create controversy to view next week. That's what exactly what they can do. Ellsworth needs to be involved again, and Carmella does it again. But unfortunately, we found out later, Ellsworth nowhere to be seen next week's yeah. match. And look, man, I don't know about you. It's one thing, you know, to be like, oh, that's BS, or to be unhappy with booking, right? As wrestling fans, we're unhappy with booking all the time. Mm-hmm. The venom I saw from fans, the venom I heard from the fans that I was watching Money in the Bank with, they weren't saying, like, I'm not going to watch this again, but they were, like, offended by oh, that turn per- of events. perception is reality glenn you have a guy get a briefcase for a girl when it's supposed to be the females match i mean perception yeah. is reality they turned it in from a wrestling show to a social issue i mean yeah. that that tells me kudos to wwe you worked us all i mean that yeah. to me that says that's actually a pat on the back to the booking because it was so controversial it made us think it was real life there for a second 
God, is this is where it's crazy trying to figure out with the WWE how it works, right? And what goes on in Vince McMahon's head. So Vince McMahon, everyone absolutely believes that he would say, and I know for the first woman's in the money in the bank, we'll have that Ellsworth kid. We'll have a man <laughs> get the case. We could all see Vince doing that. So it's funny that this idea of it's like Vince said, well, people would expect me to do that. So I'm going to do it. But then mm -hmm. we're going to pivot to a story and use that outrage to build interest in the in the in the storyline. So who the hell knows? But I got to say, regardless of what you thought about Sunday night last out Smackdown in regards to the women, fantastic. Love what they did there. And uh, if you care about that storyline, um, I think next week is going to be an amazing show, providing that there's no more shenanigans. But <laughs> knock on wood, it is the WWE. Great to see Daniel Bryan back last night as well. Absolutely. Um, he, he just brought a different layer to the show, different personality, and he's still over his heck. So, I mean, uh, it, just, it just brings a different element, different layer to that show where people are just a slightly more interested in it just because of his pre presence. Yeah. Um, so after that, see, this is the problem. The last night show wasn't bad. It was okay. Mm -hmm. But I think that compared to what went on with the women, I mean, that just overshadowed everything, in my opinion. Um, we had Biggie versus Jimmy Uso singles. What'd you think of that match? I mean, the match was okay. Um, Biggie can work as a singles guy. We, we know that from NXT and, um, he has the look and feel that he could, he could win a singles title one of these days. Um, so, I mean, the match itself wasn't bad at all, but there was some decent continuity here to where, you know, the Usos tried to escape Kofi and it, uh, Woods um, defended their territory there. They put them back in the playpen instead of the penitenti uh, penitentiary, um, which I didn't really love the New Day's promo beforehand, but it's one yeah. of their campy, cheesy ones since they've been back. But uh, the match was fine. Uh, you know, Biggie got a good win and uh, just made him look good. And I'm sure we'll see a different combination next week as we head to the next pay-per-view. Um, so speaking of redoing stuff from Sunday, after that promo time, Naomi, Lana, and we're getting a rematch next week. So if you didn't get enough of Lana versus Naomi on Sunday, the loser's getting a rematch for the championship title. That one makes zero logistical sense to me. But if they really want her to get some TV time, some entering time, then sure, I, why not? I mean, everybody else is kind of occupied at the moment, so why not? Um, I would not be one bit surprised that somehow she gets a win here, and maybe if they go crazy, Rusev possibly helps. Yeah, it, wouldn't that be an interesting twist? Um, actually, you know, I could see though after the Ellsworth thing, I could absolutely mm -hmm. see them being like, maybe we don't have Rusev come out and win it for Lana, or maybybe they do. It's the WWE. There's Salt a seventy-year-old. The there's a seventy-year-old man who's batshit crazy running the company. Anything could happen. Um, we're reminded of that on a weekly basis. Um, so yeah, Rusev, I could absolutely now that we talk about it, I could see him winning that uh, interview with Randy last night. Yeah, that's still a thing. Uh, Randy with gender. So are they really doing, are the stories true about the match we're going to see make a return, perhaps with Randy and gender? At I, think it's, I think it's all hearsay at the moment. Um, according to the site, I don't think we have any firm rumors on this yet, but the match you're pertaining to, we'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag, the Punjabi <laughs> prison. Which is um, like I don't know what kind of offensive that is, 
but it's a little kind of like with Jinder as the champion, right. speaking in Punjabi, like that's, yeah. That, um, it, it would be an interesting choice, but like I said, I don't think there's any strong rumors, but basically here, here's what happens because like betting websites and stuff like all this kind of thing, right? Yeah. So they get a hold or even make up these type of things and then big websites that may not vet their sources as they should take it and run with it. And then you have some, you know, quote unquote, fake news uh, going around the internet. So I really don't know if that's the direction they're going, but could it be interesting? Yes. But um, Orton kind of more or less threatened the whole Mahal family and um, kudos to one of our followers on Twitter. I can't remember who said it, but they said even Taj Mahal. I said, okay, that was, that was good. Fairly good joke there. <laughs> yeah. Good joke. But I, I miss back when uh, Jinder was a nobody and what Russo was calling him Ginger Mahal. Like, couldn't even get the name right. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. So uh, let's talk about some notable absences last night. Uh, Maria Canellis and Mike Canellis absent last night's show. Um, and I think the they did something. Voice. Yeah. I think uh, they did something with the Canellises um, after the show. <laughs> the Canelli. Uh, Right, there you go. What's the plural of Canellis? Um, yeah. But, um, I mean, that's not really a PG gimmick, per se. Uh, Depending um, on, some, some might argue Lana in the ring is not a PG gimmick. Well, that, that's think, a fair uh, point, too. Some, but... uh, there, were, there were some boys who entered Money in the Bank, you know, as children and, and exited at men after Lana. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's almost a step too far. Anyways, <laughs> but... <laughs> But no, I, look, with the Lana thing, that's that's past and all this stuff. But uh, no, well, no, I'm just talking, you know, in the ring, um, her outfit online, and we yeah. heard we'd heard about that by the way when she was in NXT. People were saying that like Lana's ring gear is pushing the boundaries of PG TV, right? And so and I actually put the hot take that it set back the women's division 20 years. But uh, I kind of did that on purpose as a hot take. That's not necessarily how I feel in real life, but uh, people were definitely polarized by that uh, particular tweet. So uh, apparently job well done, but it's, uh, I mean, they're, they're basically bringing up what's no worse than Nikki Bella um, and stuff like that, which is, which is fair point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, all of what you think you're seeing there, you're just seeing, you're seeing pantyhose, you're seeing mesh netting. You're right. not seeing what you think you're seeing, mm -hmm. you know, and all of that. So uh, but yeah, so we'll see uh, what happens with the fashion police and Mike and Maria going forward. Uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Nakamura last night, which I tried really hard to get into this, but it seems so strange. They're like, oh, the first time on SmackDown Live, they, they did this match at a pay-per-view already. Um, but I feel like I'm so sick of seeing Dolph and Shinsuke together at this point. But this match was better than their pay-per-view match. It in was. My, in, in my opinion. It was more polished. Um, it, it, right. It was a little longer. Um, Shinsuke, to me, did not phone it in as much because, honestly, with his main roster run, I don't know if they've intentionally watered him down a bit, but uh, it, it feels that he was just part of, of his self, whether it be his character and especially his in-ring work um, was very watered down. But I thought, you know, they went to their amateur background. Shinsuke Nakamura has, you know, an MMA background. Ziggler has the amateur wrestling background. So they played on to that a little bit and they built the story nicely. Um, I thought it was a, a pay-per-view quality match for sure. Yeah, I thought it was good, uh, but I just couldn't 
get as hyped about it given how much we've seen these guys in the ring together. Um, so backstage talking to Sami Zayn with Daniel Bryan. I guess this is a good thing. I mean, so they revealed that they booked Sammy versus Corbin for next week. That's our big tease. You know, women's money in the bank and Sammy Zayn versus Baron Corbin. Um, I thought they would have done a little more with Sammy, and this is not the typical Sammy fanboy thing, but given the video that he uh, cut for the cop in London who helped stop the terror attack, who Triple H flew over there to give a belt to, I would have thought they would have done more for that. So for those that don't know the, the full story, uh, the off-duty cop who stopped one of the attackers in London was wearing a Sami Zayn shirt when he did it. So Sammy cut this very heartfelt video message to him that the WWE shared online. Got a lot of traction mm -hmm. in recent days. Same with the story of Triple H flying over there to give the guy a belt. I was surprised they didn't do more. I guess maybe they don't want to exploit that, but it's the WWE. They kind of right. exploit everything. And they toned down the neurotic Sammy for this week a bit. Um, he, he just sort of spoke like a regular guy. I mean, he, he didn't go into a lot of detail, didn't go to his big analyzation, all that fun stuff. Um, he just sort of spoke in, in regular guy terms and, uh, kind of got what he wanted that the match with Corbin for some redemption. And then it was like, uh, the perfect scene for Glenn Rubenstein, Becky Lynch and Sami Zayn interacting <laughs> on friendly terms. It's like, is Sammy going to take her to the prom or something or what's going on right now? My wife said to me, she was like, look, it's your two favorites. And I said, and I'm going to give yes. this as a reward to people that have made it 49 minutes into this podcast. I uh, heard it out loud. I said, in the fan fiction I write in my head, they're dating and travel the country solving mysteries. Oh, my God. See, so there I you go, of you as, soon as, that, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is, this is Glenn's favorite segment of the night. He's not going to stop talking about it. Call me a goddamn Mark. I don't care. They're the two best wrestlers in the company. And I don't care what oh you think about me thinking that. Um, so, yeah, it was great. Absolutely great to see them together. And um, I would love to see Becky win uh, Women's Money in the Bank. But, no, I think they're going to do it with Carmella to uh, try and keep some consistency and continuity in writing that wrong. So, uh, and Sammy versus Corbin next week. So, that'll be interesting. Um, okay, so Kevin Owens the face of america open challenge reviving something that i know i loved when cena was doing these open challenges um interesting that chat that aj styles just sort of came out but then uh chad gable answered mm -hmm. this uh which seemed so like it's a little random yeah okay so did they really want to get the open challenge back did they really want to get chad gable on tv like i'm trying to figure out what the motivation was i think it worked i think the match for being so short was good mm -hmm um gable just constantly doing those suplexes was fantastic um i thought he looked great but yeah, gable's a little smaller but and they may not give him a ton uh, of run as a singles guy but this is evidence i mean he's working with a 260 pounder and they put on a great match um it, it was it was crisp it was clean i mean you could tell both of these guys work well with each other and they're just both fantastic performers in the ring yeah so uh Maybe we'll see more coming up of uh, Chad Gable and American Alpha. Jason Jordan just got that little bit, little bit of time there. Um, okay, so hype bros that are back now. Uh, so next week they're going to be facing the Usos in a non-title match to re-earn their title shot. I got it. Feels like they really are more than usual building up what's going to happen next week on SmackDown. Maybe 
this is the new tactic because they've been doing it a little bit with one match, but now so we got three matches or four matches confirmed mm -hmm. for next week. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much have the whole show booked, which if you think seven days in advance booking, that's like a new record for WWE. Um, I'm sure the finishes and stuff will change last minute, but um, when you actually have some advertising and get your audience to look forward to the following week and it's not trash, I mean, if they would announce, you know, a random tag match, that wouldn't have mattered, but when you announce matches like this, that's going to, it has to naturally bump your audience up for next week. You would yeah. think I mean, they're actually using some solid marketing strategies right now. It's, it's weird. Uh, yes. It's almost like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so yeah, it's uh, kind of like a mini pay-per-view feel for next Tuesday <laughs> on SmackDown, which I'm looking forward to. Um, I think uh, especially with redoing women's money in the bank. Um, Sonic ad last night, we saw Ty Dillinger with Sami Zayn. Nice to see they're spreading this around a little bit to some different faces, but I guess, uh, you know, you can only, well, you know, yeah, Ziggler, uh, you know, you can't put Ziggler in the Colonel suit for everyone. Right. No, no. Um, it, it's a Sonic ad. I'm like, Hey, it's Ty Dillinger. Oh, it's a Sonic ad. Um, Ty so looks great, like they found something for him to do. He pulled it off. Well, I mean, the guy has enough charisma to pass on a regular weekly basis. Um, he's not the best promo ever, but he's fine. Um, in short stints like these, I thought he, he did well. Yeah. Um, and then the main event, see, this was so odd. Okay. So Brian came out and he gave the decision about, um, women's money in the bank saying they're going to redo it next week. Um, and then it was so odd to me that after that they said, and now your main event, Jinder Mahal versus Luke Harper. <laughs> right. Well, let's, let's talk about the, the promo segment with the ladies real quick. Um, yeah. It's the classic, you talk, now you talk, now you talk. And then, oh, wait a minute, by the end, Tamina's like, I forgot my joke. Let me exactly um, repeat what Charlotte just said. And it yeah. fell flat on its face. Uh, and I purposely avoided it. And people are like, well, what about Tamina's botch? I'm like, mm, it just let it slide. I didn't hear it. I'm going to act like it didn't happen. Um, but those type of segments where it's you go, now you go, now you go, um, it just doesn't feel natural. Um, and they all have to have at least a good one-liner, which normally isn't that good. But I wish it was was more naturally catty, I guess you could say, uh, instead of scripted catty. But, um, you know, with, with Brian stripping the briefcase, Carmella turned into somewhat of a sympathetic character to me. And then, like I said, following up with Talking Smack, she, I mean, she was bawling, literally yeah. bawling on Talking Smack. Um, what's up with Tamina's entrance music? I just really noticed it last night for the first time that she had to Tamina, Tamina. Uh, see, I never noticed it until this current run and how many years yeah. has she been in the company and had that entrance music, but it's the, I mean, perhaps the laziest entrance music that anyone has ever been given in the WWE, but it sounds Samoan tribal. So there you go. Sure. You know, that's, I, I think that's the. The idea behind it, but again, lazy. Yeah, at least Nia Jax, you know, the the Tamina of Monday Night, Monday Night Raw, at least Nia mm -hmm. Jax has got, you know, custom theme. They put some effort into it, man. It's got like like five different lines in the lyrics that they just repeat over and over and over again. And I get right. stuck in my head every once in a while. And it's like, why this theme of all of them? Like, why this one do I walk around singing to myself? Um that and the, the the music that they play for the uh, WWE shop commercial, I'm always mm -hmm. like, why is that the song 
that every week I can't get out of my head. That's how you know you're watching too much WWE programming is when Very much so. th this, these are the earworms for you. Um, so Jinder Mahal won over Luke Harper. Um, the Singh brothers, surprise, got involved in this. Mm -hmm. And as did Randy Orton, who was getting retribution on the Singh brothers for attacking his father. Yeah. Um, I guess point number one for me is good to see Luke Harper back on TV. Sure. Um, he got a really nice pop. And whenever he was um, on his comeback sequences, the crowd was behind him 110%. So, I mean, there's still some, some legs left there. Um, if you wanted to give him some sort of singles run, I mean, and he worked so hard to get to that level, um, to being over. And now I'm afraid, you know, they've been, he's been off TV for what, four, three, four weeks at least. Um, and then comes back as not necessarily a job guy, but an enhancement to keep getting Mahal over. So he's the perfect guy to do that because he can make anybody look good in the ring. Um, and he's a bigger guy. So, you know, you're giving Mahal some credit with this win, even though he had the Singh brothers. Uh, but what'd you think of the, uh, the Orton pop at the end and, and sort of the, the decimation of the Singh brothers once again as well? Um, I felt that Orton got a good pop, you know, they're trying to give him a motivation and maybe this will get people more into it. People thought Sunday night was one of his better matches, mm -hmm. uh, in recent memory, perhaps his best of this current run. So we'll see if it's, we'll see if it sticks. Yeah, I mean, I just like that his gimmick's killing 150-pound guys. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's kind of fun, and he just throws them around carelessly, which is hilarious. Um, that RKO in midair looked a little rough. But, yeah, um, that's a tough other one on that one, it, it, it was a good little beat down. Uh, and then, of course, they get their little bit of retribution as well. But um, Mahal looked like the typical chicken shit champion, ran through the crowd, because I was sitting there, they teased Baron Corbin earlier oh, in the yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about um, that. Is Baron Corbin was, running out? Yeah. Baron Corbin running out smiling, gleeful, and giddy by Baron Corbin standards, which I'm telling you, as we're talking about this, if you don't watch SmackDown last night, you got to watch SmackDown last night. You can fast forward through probably a good half of it and not miss anything. Mm -hmm. But there were some moments last night. And one was Baron Corbin coming out with this weird grin on his face, clutching the briefcase, doing the fake out. Yeah, um, but to me, once he saw Orton go out there and pretty much kill Mahal for a minute, that's when he should have came oh, yeah. back out. I mean, that's where they should have teased it. I mean, I understand why they did it during the match, but Mahal really wasn't in a state uh, of disarray at, at any point when he came out. So I'm like, why would he even come out at this point other than, you know, just to get in his head? Yeah. But um, I was like, where's Corbin now? And then they cut to Mahal hightailing it out of the crowd. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. There, there was an opportunity there for something a bit more interesting to me, uh, yeah. but they didn't really capitalize on it. Cool, man. Well, go watch SmackDown last night. Watch Talking Smack last night. Uh, both quality entertainment this week. Thanks to Raj and Tony Schiavone for joining us earlier. And remember, you can find all the info on WrestlingInc.com for his one-man show. So, Chris, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at Knockdown underscore radio and as usual on um, at Wrestling Inc. during Raw, SmackDown, and uh, pay-per-views. So uh, just come hang out with me on the shows, guys. Cool. And we'll be back here Monday night after Raw, myself, Raj Geary, and Mr. Matt Morgan to talk about Monday Night Raw. So until next time, folks, I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.